0: Sorry, Eric. Ooh, dang, that's loud. Okay. Feels really loud. I feel like I'm yelling in my head. Sorry about that, guys. Um, let's pray. Jesus, we lift up this time to you. Um, we thank you for your grace. Um, as we wrestle over and over and over again in loops over law and grace and trying to get it right and trying to receive your grace and um, I ask God that as we consider these things you would um, just that you would bring us to a place of freedom and um, a place where we can really sit in the reality that we're your children Um, and that you're thinking of us in terms of relationship, not in terms of whether we get it right or not. Um, We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Um, So we're going to start with some questions. I'm not going to write on any boards or anything because I'm not good at that. Um, But I'm wondering, so this week, I'll just start with my story This week, I remembered that I really like the kitchen and the house to be clean. And so I started scrubbing the kitchen and putting things away, and every time it got messed up, cleaning it back up. And I'm like, yes! But that's happened before, and it doesn't last. (laughs) I, I, you know, I would hope it does. It's something I really want to have good, good discipline over. Or occasionally I start eating vegetables and my, you know, vegetable loving health, healthy friends are like, "Oh, she's eating vegetables. That's so exciting. And I should eat vegetables because I probably should drop a few pounds and they're good for me. And I have a chronic illness but i haven't been able to make myself like I'll, I'll like start eating vegetables and i'm like all right i'm on a new path and then i go back to the old way um so i'm wondering have you guys ever had something that you stopped doing you know i mean at one point i have so many stories of this in my story but like you know i stopped drinking and then i pick it back up and then i you know but So are there any things that you've stopped doing because you thought they were bad and then, or started doing because you thought it was good and then you weren't able to sustain it or you went back to the other things? Keith says no, he's never done that before. (laughs) Exercising. (laughs) Exercising is a very common one. And, And so how do you feel... When you, like, what are the messages that you get when you stop? Like, when you start and then you stop, what are the... You should give up anyway. You're weak. You suck. (laughs) That's my, frequently, I I hear that one in my head. Exercise is stupid. stupid. (laughs) How about the people who do exercise and they don't? Like, they don't stop. Do you guys have any stuff in your head that you wonder about? (laughs) The non-exercisers are like there's something wrong with them. (laughs) They've got it figured out. This is is the non-exercisers thinking about the exercisers. The exercisers just always... It's great, and you don't have any, like... (laughs) Okay, I can't eat my ice cream. What if you do eat your ice cream? Okay, so, like, like you have to do the exercise in order to stay healthy, and it's like a, a track that you're on. And how do you feel if you eat the ice cream? Good? Guilty? Okay. All right. So what we're going to be talking about in um, Galatians um, is what's called the flesh versus the spirit, which um, I just think flesh is a... You know interesting word for it, you know Christians are used to having it, but originally, flesh just meant humanity and um, and in paul's writing it it kind of takes on this sense of fallen humanity um, and so it's it's the part of yourself that is trying. Like, you you just can't quite get it right. Um, And the spirit, like, one of the problems that I, I think we end up with in the flesh versus the spirit is that we think, like, you know, oh, well, our bodies are the enemy, and then there's some, like, ethereal, like, spiritness that's, like, that's the good part of us. But in reality, like, the spirit is present, like, if we're believers, the spirit is present when we're living in the flesh. And what God is asking us to do is move toward bringing the flesh under the call of the spirit. So they're not really, you know, these two the body versus the spirit. It's more like the inclinations in yourself, the fallen part of yourself um, striving against the part of yourself that Jesus has claimed. And like in some places it talks about the spirit being a deposit. So it's like this deposit guaranteeing um, that we can, that we are, that we belong, that we're a child. Um, So to start with, uh, I'm supposed to ask three questions, but I think I'm going to have you come up with the questions. So what are the three questions we've been asking every week? Where is Galatia? Answer somebody? Okay. Another question? Where can you learn more about it? 13 and 14. All right. And my, my favorite question, what is the gospel? The good news and victories of Jesus. See, that's such my favorite question that I before I talked to Eric when I had seven sermons in this one sermon, um, I had a whole chunk on the gospel, but I decided to just stick with the text. (laughs) I'm down to 12 slides. (laughs) So Ephesians um, 16 and 17 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh de- desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So when you are, when you belong to Jesus, and you feel that conflict inside you, that's a legit conflict. That's like life in the world. And so what Paul is addressing is not like, you know, okay, can you do this or can you do that? What he's addressing is how will you respond to the conflict? Um, Ephesians four twenty two and 24 says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So you can think of this righteousness as like, and, and I had so many sermons going that I ended up not canceling the Rod's giant coat, but I was going to get one of Rod's giant coats and like put it on me. That's kind of what God's righteousness on us looks like. It's like the little king who gets the giant crown and it doesn't fit yet. And so, when we're, like, trying to put that on, it's messy, and sometimes we fall, and there's a thing. But it doesn't change the fact that we have the coat, and that God, when he looks at us, is looking at us through the righteousness of Jesus, not through our own, are we getting it right? He's looking at us, and he's saying, oh, it's my child, not measuring. Um, So that's kind of this image of like putting on this new self and walking in the spirit as opposed to um, gratifying the the desires of the flesh. Sorry, I should have put these differently. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. So the big confusing thing is like, we want the law, we want the law. We want the law to say, this is how you do it. We want the law to say, this is how they should do it. When we, as we've been going through this, everybody has been, you know, listing out all of their like rules for other people. And, and so we want to cling to the law. We want, it's safe. I know what to do, or I know that I'm never going to get it right so I can just give up. Like, we, we kind of look at the law in, in those different ways. Um, which, is, which is kind of what we get here. The, the, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So I highlighted these ones not because they're more important than the other ones, but because sometimes we don't remember that these are all in the same list. Sometimes we think... Like the list is just like the really bad things you know, like like you know getting drunk all the time, or you know having lots of sex with people who aren't who are not our partners, and what happens is um for example, in my own story before. Like Before I was a believer, I engaged pretty much in all of the unhighlighted things. Um, And when I became a believer, my initial understanding was, okay, now I need to not do those things. And so I trained myself to not do those things, which is bringing myself under the law. And I did pretty good. Most, most of the time I was pretty good. I was able to like hold it together. Um, and then I went to college and um, my believer friends could drink sometimes um, in moderation. I had a friend who could just drink a glass of wine. I was like, weird. Like, I thought you had to have the whole bottle, you know? Um, and, and so I was like, okay well, this is the new law. I need to just have, you know, a glass of alcohol and I'll be okay because that's the new law. Apparently, my old law was wrong. Um, And so I tried to do that um, and ended up drinking by myself in my room looking at depressing pictures and thinking about my depressing story and... And eventually, I asked my housemate, or my housemates, I think of it that way, they were my housemates, um, to get rid of all the alcohol in the house, which was really embarrassing that I couldn't hold it together, that I couldn't keep the balance like they could keep the balance. And they did, because they offered me grace and they dumped down lots of money's worth of alcohol down the drain, and we didn't have alcohol in our house during the time that we were there. Um, but the temptation is to say, okay, now dumping the alcohol is the good thing. But that that's not the good thing. That wasn't the good thing for me. And I, I know people drink and... Some people do it in moderation and I actually am able to do it in moderation at this point in my life. But it's like the place where I found freedom was when I realized that God was not holding that against me, that God, in offering that through my roommates, didn't want me to sit in shame and feel stupid that I didn't have control. He wanted me, he was offering through them a gift of love and grace. So the other thing that happens, though, is that there's like, you know, the be kind thing in Tucson, which, that's that's fine, Um, but... What happens when you're, like, really kind to someone and then they're consistently not kind back? What happens inside you? Bitterness, rage, rage. (laughs) the discord. (laughs) we Like, like what happens is when we try to do these things, or, or not do them, when we try to hold to the law... Like, it's still an act of the flesh. We're still sucking it up in our own strength and not resting in grace. And then he has this very dramatic statement. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is not... Okay, if you do one of these, if you have a fit of rage, then you're not going to heaven. That's not what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is this thing in the Jewish culture that is God bringing to earth. It's it's kind of like we say in the Lord's Prayer, you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's this process of starting with Jesus and his death and resurrection he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Like, here we go. We're, we're walking into the kingdom of God. And so, and it's, and it's restoration based on grace, not based on what you do. It's restoration based on a loving father who made a way for his children to come back into relationship even though they had disobeyed. And so what? when we cling to the law, we're saying, no, we want the old way. We, we want, like, the way before Jesus. We want to be able to get it right. Or, screw it, I can't get it right, so I, I'll just do whatever I do. Um, I'll I'll say more about that later. Um, okay, so so here's Ron told us last week that um, good choices are powerless to make good people. And in in saying that, we're talking about good people in the sense of per- perfect in the righteousness of God. That you can't like choose all right things because we just don't have it in us. So there's a story in the Bible about, uh, we call it the prodigal son, but I'm, I'm going to call the bad choices son, the good choices brother, and the grace-filled father. So the, the, the bad choices son is like, hey, even though I have everything I want here with you, Dad, uh, give me my money that I would inherit, and I'm going to run and do whatever I want. And the father says, okay. And so he gives him his, the money. And then the, the son goes out and he like does all those things that were on the list, you know, basically, you know, drinking and partying until his money runs out. And then he ends up in a pigsty, scrapping with the pigs for food. And which for a Jewish person is a particularly shameful thing because even being near pigs is like unclean. Um, And he remembers, he's like, oh, I have a dad and maybe he'll even just let me be a slave. Um, But his slaves are better off than where I am. So he goes back and his dad sees him coming and is very excited that he's come back because he wants relationship with his son. And so the son comes back and the father makes a giant feast and everything's great and then there's his brother. And his brother is like why don't I get a feast? Like like I do all the right things. Why don't why why can't I have the same thing. Why would you do that for him when he went out and did all those bad things? And I've had to stay here and do all the good things. And now he's just getting a free ticket. He's getting grace. That's not fair. Grace isn't fair. Um, <laughs> so the father has an interesting response, which is not like, get over yourself what is wrong with you? You know, I, I'm not even going to be in relationship with you because that is, you're, you're just being obnoxious to your brother. He like understands the law following, the rule following son. And he's like, hey, you know, I mean, I do care about you. You stay, you stay and you did things and I do care about you. But he left and now he's back and that's really exciting. And so you have this image of the father bringing the son who's gone out and done crazy, shameful things, coming back in free. And then the brother, who knows what he did in the end, you know? But what his response produces that discord, rage, and and the other things. Because what you have is, it's like that's when it's based on the law. It goes on and it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, it's interesting that we have three things. We have walking in the spirit. We have walking, or I don't remember what it said, in in, in the flesh. So there's these actions that we're taking, the acts of the flesh, I think is what it said. And here, it's not, it, it's, it's fruit. So my son, Jesse, is a gardener, um, and he he made our garden look crazy good because he came in and he like made the soil right and added things that it needed and you know watered it when it's supposed to and then he moved out and lots of that stuff died because with fruit there isn't a guarantee that you're going to get fruit That it's just, it's not like, okay, if I do these things, like you don't make the fruit happen. You till the soil, you hope, you believe that plants are designed to produce fruit. And so you like, you you have a sense of expectation and you treat your plants with that expectation. And that's kind of like the fruit of the spirit. It's not something that it's like, okay, now be kind because that kind of ends up in the same thing that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So here's, here's our list. I think we already covered this, so I'm just going to skip on to the next one. It's, it's easy to make these rules... Because we want rules. We don't want grace. We want to be able to do it ourselves. Oops, that way. And when we treat the, the fruit of the Spirit as rules, we end up in the same boat as others, other people who are doing other stuff. And it's not like, oh, well, at least we're a better boat because, like, you know, we don't do really bad things. And we end up in a comparison game of, like, well, I did that, but, you know, so-and-so did the other thing, and that was really bad. So, like, so we really need to not let give them grace. Um, but you can give me grace because my my sin or my act of the flesh was was not that bad. Or, on the other side, which I often experience as well, um, you know, well, Sue does a lot of stuff. She's, like, very busy. And she, like, creates, and there's all this crazy cool stuff that she does. And what do I do? I mean, I started to do clay, and then I gave it up and haven't gone back to it. And... I can't seem to make myself go back to it. So so I must suck, right? Because that's the the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is about relationship with God. It's about father and child, not about who's going to do the right thing. When we participate in the kingdom of God, we end up serving one another, not because uh, I guess I have to serve one another, you know, I, guess I have to serve you because that's what I'm supposed to do. There may be times when you do it that way. And God has grace. But the 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 place where we actually engage with the restoration is when we can sit in the reality that God isn't waiting to see whether I succeed or fail. And when we are able to offer that to one another so that we're not sitting around measuring whether someone else succeeds or fails, whether they were really not kind, you know, or I was kind and then they weren't kind back, or, you know, when we start doing those things, we're clinging to the law rather than walking in the kingdom of God. So those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. He still has a lot of passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And again, it's just when we when we focus on the law, that's where we end up. When we focus on the reality that Jesus has crucified our flesh and and God has given us his righteousness, that's when we're able to receive grace. And I think when we really know that we've received grace, it's a lot easier to offer it. When we are unaware or when we think, oh, what I did wasn't really that bad, it's hard. Sometimes I'm a little... Uh, people think I'm a little heavy on the sin piece and hard on myself and things like that. But when I engage with my sin, it's no longer a shame piece. It's like, wow, that's a lot of grace you're pouring out on me. And then when I engage with someone else, it's like, how can I not? You know, how can I not give grace? And when I'm sort of thinking I'm doing everything right, I have a lot less grace for other people. So the my closing question here is what are you going to cling to? And I guess that's kind of what I would like you to consider this week. Are you going to cling to the law or are you going to cling to grace? Because the conflict is real. Like You will experience this conflict especially if you're a believer, particularly, like there's a war going on inside you and you will experience the conflict. But when you, you know, when you experience that conflict, are you going to say, I suck, you suck? Uh, Like there's no forgiveness for me. If I just try harder, I can get it right. Like what are you going to say? Where are you going to sit when you get... To that, to that place with the conflict. Because um, the fruit of the spirit's really good. Um, and, yeah, so that's all I have. It's 6.08. Is that the end? Couple questions. Uh, here's the mic. Our runner has his baby. I was wondering if you would talk more about what you think it looks like to cling to grace because I think we all are pretty good at clinging. I'm pretty good at clinging to the law. I'll speak for myself. I think it has to do, like a lot of the talk in, in that when Paul's talking about old self, new self and putting on the old self and the new self, it really is an attitude. And so we want it to be, okay, now... We're gonna sit with grace. So how do we do it? Because we need to get it right, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've had this conversation, <laughs> um, and we think, okay, well, if you know, if I just let myself have a a permit, you know, where like you know, here I am. I didn't. I'm not exercising. I'm sporadically eating vegetables. Um, what 's going to happen and the the point of the kingdom of God is not are you healthy? are you not healthy? are you fat? are you skinny are you you know it 's just not any of those things. The kingdom of God is about is about relationship with God, with each other, and so in those moments when we 're like condemning ourselves for not doing something, the answer is really to sit with that and consider grace. It's to stop yourself. It's to recognize the conflict as a call to sit with grace, not as a call to judge someone else or do it better or figure out why we, you know, why we don't do those things. And I mean, I... I'm not the person that errs on the side of excessive discipline. Um, And I know there's a whole different side for the people who err on that side. It's kind of like with Rod's talks when he yells at the village for not cleaning up and all the people who always clean up are like, oh no, we're not cleaning up enough. And the people who don't clean up are like, I didn't hear that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, let me think of how I I had this in my head. So, there are consequences for not following the rules. Yes. Don't touch the stove. You might burn yourself. Yes. There's a consequence of just living freedom and disregarding that rule. There are consequences, but it has nothing to do with your place in the kingdom of God or in God's acceptance of you. Right. So the rules, the law, isn't bad. No. It's not bad. It's not something we're supposed to purposely ignore. It's just not something that has to hover over our heads when it comes to our relationship with God. Right. Wow. I just said that. I never thought that. Uh oh. (laughs) I never get to be in this place. I know. Now, I, I was just when I was thinking about the question about grace and what you said about your own sin and understanding Jesus's forgiveness for you. I think a big part of clinging to grace is being willing to to understand how powerful God's forgiveness of you is. Just to to sit and when you're talking about sitting in it, it's just a meditation on the cross. Yeah, and that you respond with grace and love. And step into the rules in many ways and loving people because of the cross. And Sometimes. Well, we hope don't. so. Yes, that's the hope. Yes. <laughs> that's the fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I think the part I struggle with with figuring is um like in the practical application of thinking about the difference between grace and just enabling?
1: Mm-hmm. And so, I still, I'm still
0: wondering. <laughs> I just think we're not going to get it right. So sometimes we're going to offer grace and enable people, and Jesus loves us, and Jesus is at work. And sometimes we're not going to offer grace or we're going to be harder on someone and it'll be the right thing and sometimes we're harder on someone and it's the wrong thing and Jesus is at work. So Kevin and then that's it. Well, I think you may have already spent time outlining this but um, verse 16 for me says, well, and for you too, it says, so I say, live by the Spirit. Other versions say, walk by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And you will not gratify the desires. So that's the key. So if I just live by the Spirit or walk by the Spirit, I, that's that's great. I'm not going to do all these things that you highlighted or that you didn't highlight. All I have to do is live by the Spirit or walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? What's the, There's a mystery to it to me. Which of, is bringing it back to law. Right. It, you, it's like, how do we walk by the Spirit properly so that we don't gratify the desires of it. The reality is that we have this giant robe of righteousness on and sometimes when we go to give someone a hug, it's like very uncomfortable for them because we have this giant robe of righteousness and we haven't grown into it yet. Um, Sometimes, yeah, I mean, if you make these rules, walking by the spirit, okay, now this is what I need to do is walk by the spirit. Give me the rules for walking by the spirit. <laughs> there aren't. Yeah. Well, I think actually something to key into is like if you're kind to someone and they're unkind back and you get angry um is is a good thing to think about when we, we go to the cross and say, "Okay, I was kind to them, they were unkind to me, and then I got angry." What was what was I what was I really trying to do? Was I living out of the flesh or was that was I living out of the spirit or was that really actually living right. out of the flesh? Right, which is, which is, I mean, why the hot seat model is powerful it, that we do here at the village. And, But ultimately, it's feeling the conflict and then observing whether you're clinging to law one way or the other or whether you're just accepting that Jesus has given you grace. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, thank you for this time and for this community, and um, I ask that as we walk together, we would encourage one another on paths of restoration and grace and freedom from the law um, and obedience to the law, um, but in freedom. And uh, I ask that uh, you would help us navigate the painful messiness of that. In Jesus' name, amen.